Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Fishing Podcast, presented by 13 Fishing Canada. Make your own luck. We're here to scratch that angling itch and talk everything fishing. Join us as we sit down with special guests from across the industry. Now, here's your hosts, Brandon Cater and Logan Lewis. What is going on, Weekend Warrior fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Weekend Warriors Fishing Podcast. Uh, you got myself, Brandon Cater, alongside Logan Lewis here, your host for the show. Uh, and we have a pretty fantastic episode for you today, one that's been asked about a lot. Uh, a local uh, gentleman from Regina, Saskatchewan, um, Jason Manatee from GetFishing.ca. We had the privilege of sitting down with him for a solid hour and a half uh interview talking fishing all, all kinds of topics so um, but before we get into that i just wanted to uh see how you're doing logan i know you've been out doing a lot of hunting um chasing a lot of birds so uh what's going on with you and uh what's uh top of the hour uh yeah I, i've been i've been busy with the hunts luckily uh, for those who don't know who aren't in saskatchewan whatever, we just got dumped on uh, on sunday there but i got out for actually my best migratory hunt i've ever been a part of so i got out on saturday for that and then yeah other than that just been uh looking for some deer uh, i got my i got a bow this year for the first time so i've been doing that learning a lot there as far as uh spot and stalking the deer so uh, i've been busy with that outside of work and, and doing the podcast how about yourself yeah i mean just grinding away at the everyday life and looking forward to every time that we get the chance to sit down and and do an episode like this one and then i mean for myself open water season's basically donezo for me uh, i know a few few friends got up to tobin this past weekend um had lots of fun caught lots of fish a few master angler saskatchewan wildlife master angler sauger um oh, which yeah. you know are, are probably not the easiest to come by down here in the south so um you know, up at Tobin Lake, they had some fun, caught some fish, and uh, it didn't snow up there, and we got absolutely slammed with snow and rain, and yeah. um, it just kind of made a disaster here. But I guess with with the snow means that ice fishing is right around the corner, and with ice fishing comes the Winnipeg Ice Fishing Show, and that is creeping up. It's next weekend here already, November 5th and 6th. Um, in Winnipeg on uh, at the Red River Exhibition Place. And it's a big show. I mean, it's sold out. We talked to uh, Eric, the the organizer of the event, and booths are sold out. There's not even a booth. We couldn't even get a booth if we wanted. Um, but but we we'll are be still, there. We're still going to be there. We're going to be there. Uh, we're going to be showgoers. We're going to go check it out. Never been to the Winnipeg Ice Fishing Show. So uh, we know a lot of great uh, companies and people are going to be there. So... Our friends Jay and Josh, they're going to be there with Catch and Cook. Um, you know, our friends over at, yeah, Frostbite, our friends over at Rapella and 13 Fishing, all those great brands are going to be there. So um, we're just going to go. We're going to check it out. And if you're going to be at the show, keep an eye out for us. We're going to be walking around, probably giving some things away and um, doing some pretty fun stuff. Yeah, kind of going to do a little bit of a, I don't know what they call it in the biz, in the show biz, but like Matt on the street kind of thing. Yeah, what? yeah. We're, yeah, keep Don't a little. Give it away. Uh, yeah, that's all I'll say. That that's all I'll say is we'll be there doing some stuff. We might not have a booth, but we'll be we'll be around. And very excited to see. I've never been to, like I've been to like the Saskatoon Sport and Leisure Show, 
and yeah. stuff like that. But I haven't been to like a fishing specific, especially ice fish, ice fishing specific event. So I think uh, this will be great. There's obviously it's huge. All that stuff's huge out there in, in Manitoba too. So um, I'm really looking forward to just seeing all this stuff and probably blowing all my money there as well. I would, I would assume. Oh yeah. It's going to, there's going to be so many good deals. If you, if you're looking for new gear, um, that's definitely the place you want to be. So again, that's just November 5th and 6th. Uh, Saturday is 10 AM to 6 PM. Sunday is 10 AM to 5 PM. Admission is $10 and kids 12 and under are free. So, um, if you're into fishing or you want to get into fishing, you're from, you know, the prairies here, make your way to the Winnipeg ice fishing show. Yeah. Even for us, I think that'll be like a six hour trip each way so a little bit of driving for us but i think uh i think it'll be worth it we'll uh have a good weekend get to hang out we don't usually get to hang out as much in person so it'll be a good time for us and uh yeah i can't wait to see all the the new stuff that that some companies will be showing off and and picking up some things in person lots of these things we don't get to see in person right like uh like as far as like a frostbite or lots of the catch and cook stuff um you don't get to see a lot of that in person so i'm really looking forward to that 100%. But uh, before we dive into this episode with Jason, uh, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors, our friends over at the Saskatchewan Wildlife Federation. Amazing partnership. They have uh, a lot of great stuff going on there, including the Saskatchewan Master Angler Program. So be sure if you're fishing in Saskatchewan to download the app and upload your big catches as well. If you don't have a membership, check it out. Super cheap. Lots of benefits come along with it. And it's just an overall great cause. Yeah. Uh, next up, Blackfish Gear. I was even wearing some of their stuff uh, hunting. Uh, once again, the, the pullover was great for that. And I've actually worn, the, it's their UV gloves, I believe it is. Um, I've worn those a little bit for too. Hunting? Yeah, just just because wanting to be, for going for snows, um, if you saw us, we look pretty funny out there. We're in full Tyvek suits laying in the decoys that are white and black. And so we're trying to blend in with that. So I was also keeping my hands a little warm and also blending in, having those those white gloves. So yeah, be sure to check them out. Uh, we have a podcast exclusive discount code in the show notes below. Uh, you won't find that on social media or anything. It's only specifically for the podcast. So uh, be sure to check that out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, I mean, our friends over at Lucky Bastard, um, they've been nothing but great to work with Uh, so here's a quick word from them there are certain moments in life that really stick with you this is definitely one of them the thrill of the deal my friends is not a myth prohibition is over saskatchewan ask about lb's legendary birmingham's dill pickle vodka after all it's not a party until someone pulls out the pickle tours and tastings available call or stop by 814 47th street east and tonight why not mix your caesar with some lucky bastard it's the one with the pickle in it so if that interests you, you could check out our show notes below, head over to their website, save 10% off any of your purchases, and they ship Canada-wide. So uh, that's pretty huge there. And I guess speaking of websites, we just launched ours. How, how long ago was that? Was that only been a week? Yeah, it's only been uh, just over a week now. And you know what? It's It's been a treat. So everybody that's you know head, headed to weekendwarriorsco.com, uh, checked it out, um, purchased some apparel, uh, we do have apparel on there. So there's hoodies, tees, um, hats, decals. Uh, we do have some other products on there as well. But any of our Weekend Warrior Co. gear that is sold, uh, 2% of the proceeds get donated back to Canadian wildlife and conservation efforts. So um, if if you want to get some pretty 
pretty snazzy gear, um, stuff that's, you know, you can look good while fishing and, um, you know, just kind of be a part of the community. Um, you can know that 2% of those proceeds are going back to a great cause. So definitely go check that out as well. We have a blog post. Um, we have a recent blog post from Gord Pizer himself, the, the fishing editor, um, about, you know, bigger, bigger walleye. So go check that out. We are going to be having a lot more content from past guests, whether that be blog posts, videos, just informational um, content that's going to benefit, you know, the avid angler or the average angler, um, anybody that's really looking, looking to get better or learn something. Yeah, exactly. And we will still be running a huge giveaway on there as well right now. All you have yep. to do, um, well, there's the giveaway on our socials. So I think it's like follow and tag three friends. But the big thing is make sure that after you've done that, you head over and put your email in. Um, that's one of the main things for for getting into that draw which is going to be the first one um is a brand new strike master auger ice auger uh we have the second one a cooler second prize one of our coolers yep yep yeah and then some the third prize being a merch package so for all you gotta do is enter your email address to sign up get into that giveaway i think it's going to be drawn november 1st or something like that so um still some time to get november november 30th so uh it'll oh, be kind of okay. Right at first ice is where we'll, we'll be drawing. Somebody, somebody's taking home a brand new Strike Master Pro Light eight inch um, ice auger. So that's you know that's a thousand dollar auger. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a great deal. I just got mine actually with the snow. Just got it charged up. So I'm ready to go whenever this ice wants to come, and I'm, I'm quite pumped for it. But uh, in the meantime, we may as well get right into the episode with Jason here. Uh, it was a great one. Tons of knowledge, and we'll have to get his brother Jeff on as well as he talks about. Uh, to get more of the bio side of that. So uh, without further ado, hope you enjoy. Well, here we are with another episode. Uh, we're very happy to have Jason Matady on. Um, we put up some polls on Instagram about who people wanted on. This one it was uh, a constant in the request. So uh, we, were f- we finally reached out to Jason. Um, turns out we were already friends on Facebook. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't realize that. And I was like, oh, this is perfect, I think. So, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. And, and, uh, I don't know, this has been a long time coming. Oh, for sure, guys. You know, uh, we, we follow the podcast, follow your adventures on Buffalo Pound, you know, a lake that's, uh, near me that, uh, I probably should spend more time at, uh, to learn how to figure it out a little bit better, but a great fishery, fun place to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, been following your adventures for a while glad to see you've kind of been following what we do and uh happy to be here today thanks guys yeah for sure that's uh it's one that uh like with our group of friends at the lake there's been about three or four of the dads out there that say they kind of they'll listen to the pod a little bit and they're like you should really get jason on like oh we'll have to we'll have to look into that but i guess for people who who maybe haven't uh, heard you around saskatchewan i guess we've got people listening outside of saskatchewan too kind of a little rundown of of who you are and and what you do Sure. Yeah. Jason Manity. Uh, I'm the uh, host of getfishing.ca, our, our fishing video education website uh, that I have in partnership with my brother, Jeff Manity. And uh, Jeff has been, you know, a really strong inspiration for what we do. Uh, he, uh, We both love fishing. Uh, he was the older brother that uh, took me fishing. You know, that's not always the mm-hmm. case when you have a sibling relationship, uh, but we developed it into a lifelong passion and, and, and a deep friendship uh, uh, to, to get out there, enjoy the outdoors, enjoy getting out fishing. That's kind of where it all started. And then um, what happened was I was a reporter at, at CTV in Regina for a number of years, and uh, we had an opportunity kind of with the advent 
of underwater cameras. Uh, you know, I'd say at the turn of the 21st century, right? You know, that 2006, mm-hmm. 2007 era. And uh, I showed my news director these cool underwater shots that we were getting and we we're figuring out ways to record them. And he's like, we got to put this on TV. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how the whole thing started, you know, with our, with our show Real Man, with, with, with strong support, uh, you know, from the folks at CTV to get that rolling. And then uh, about six or seven years later, we had the opportunity to pr- start producing our own material through getfishing.ca and maddiesgetfishing.com and YouTube and those types of things. And it really was a, it was and continues to be a fun passion, a labor of love, as you folks would know with what you do yep. here. Uh, you know, and, and the whole goal was to literally get people fishing and, and that's, uh, that's what we do and that's why we do it. Yeah, right, for that's sure. where you get the name from. Exactly. And like Jason, I remember, like, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, put a tam, uh, timestamp on you, but I remember growing up and, and watching CTV and, and my mom would be, Oh, there's Jason Manity again. And so I, I feel like I know you already. I mean, I met you once this, this ice, uh, ice fishing season, but, uh, just growing up, seeing you on CTV news and always kind of tuning into little tips and tricks. And, and even now, right. With, uh, social media, you still do that with CTV and they'll, they'll share them to Facebook and, and I'll see them shared all over to, uh, Facebook groups and whatnot. And, yeah, just uh, growing up, seeing your face everywhere, it, it was always connected to fishing. So it's it's nice to sit down and, and actually get a chance to talk to you. So That's great. And hey, I don't worry at all about being timestamped. I, I love the fact that I was a, a positive part of your younger life, your childhood, and uh, something that your parents promoted. Uh, which is awesome. That's, that's fantastic. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things we, we always want to make sure that, uh, you know, and we've been doing this for for a while now, but we always want to make sure what we're doing is still fun, is still relevant, that can appeal across the generations and the cultures. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, uh, that's fantastic where I'm that, that's good to know that, uh, that you guys, uh, remember us from years gone by. That's, that's awesome. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's something like we kind of have a similar idea too, is that's part of our, I don't know if you want to call it mission, vision, whatever statement like that. It's kind of about educating people. Like we say, we're for the first time fishermen, fisherwoman, or we're for experienced people too. Like obviously the experienced people might not take as much from, from what we do, but I'm sure they've picked up some things from our guests. Right. And, um, that's kind of one of our biggest things is same ideas of get people get people fishing get like take them out like kind of get them into the sport and then also you would probably see it as well with what you guys are doing is kind of teaching them what we think is the right way it, it might be newer than um like kind of how values were and things were treated back then as far as fishing or conservation and stuff like that but it's kind of getting their them started on the right leg kind of thing right well you know it, it, it's so it's so true like like we actually have when you go to get fishing.ca we we really got a mission statement which is we want you to get out fishing and actually get doing the activity mm-hmm. but we want you to take it a, a step further and that is to to get what makes a successful angler in terms of predator prey relationships for example and understanding that suckers and ciscos and uh, other species that may not be the target, like walleyes, for example, these are all important for a healthy ecosystem. Not only, Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that if we don't have suckers and we don't have ciscos, we're not going to have giant pike and giant walleyes because they got to eat something. Yeah. Right. And, and helping people understand that. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember as a kid, but people would leave burbot on the ice all the time when I was a kid and, 
and Cisco's and, 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 and that's illegal to start with, but I'm starting <clears> to <throat> see that people don't do that anymore. And we've always sort of taken it upon us. In addition to talking about fishing tips and how to be more successful, it's protecting the resource and going, just because you're catching something you don't want to catch, it doesn't mean it's not important to not only the ecosystem, but extremely important to what it is that you're trying to catch. Because if you're trying to catch a 12 pound walleye and you're not putting those Cisco's back in the system, yeah. you're not going to have 12 pound walleyes if, if there aren't Cisco's for those big walleyes to eat. I mean, there's a reason why the Tobins of the world, the Diefenbakers, the Last Mountains and, and, and places like that have giant pike and walleyes. It's because they have that forage. And, uh, the, the, like Cisco's in particular, they're kind of like the filet mignon to, to yeah. giant pike and walleyes, right? They've got, sure do any like reading that. on it? <laughs> yeah. Like, ex, ex, you know, they got the amino acids, they got all the right, uh, you, you know, sort of new nutritional value to grow those giant fish. They're, they're soft raid. They're not spiny. Um, you know, I, I remember, we had an opportunity to do an in fisherman segment uh, with Doug Stangy. It's gee, it's got to be eight or nine years ago now. And the big fish we ended up catching, which was pushing twelve pounds, had a Cisco tail sticking out her throat. You know, and yeah. it's still, you know, so very, very important. And and uh, you know, sort of understanding the predator prey relationships, understanding that everything has a place in the lake, and uh, to have a healthy ecosystem all around, we we got to take care of it you know obviously in terms of proper catch and release and and limiting catch and you know uh all those different things play a part in in the techniques we talk about as well because if you mm-hmm. understand you know one of our favorite things is jig and spoons in the fall for big walleyes well we're, we're imitating a giant bait fish right we're imitating a cisco if you're pulling a crank that that's what we're trying to do so yeah. um you know it all plays into to getting getting fishing if you will. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, I found it interesting at the start of that when you were talking about people leaving fish on the ice. Um, I know that's a thing, like, especially early ice seemed to catch a lot of suckers, um, out at Buffalo. And that would be the thing you'd see that a lot early ice and, uh, kind of near, I guess, March madness, stuff like that. But you'd see a lot of suckers on the ice and dad would like, I've grown up out there, but at Buffalo, but dad would tell us, tell me stories all the time. His, his ice fishing experience wasn't, was limited, I guess, but being out there in the winters and stuff, you said you'd always see burbot on the ice. Um, and that was just a common thing to see. Whereas I've tried so hard to target burbot at Buffalo pound now. And I know things change just environmentally over the years, but like, I think I've caught, I've caught one there and you hear about maybe you see on Facebook, maybe five or six a year, but for the number of people fishing out there, it's pretty incredible that back then in dad's stories, they talks about fish all over the place bourbon on the ice stuff and then now it's you hardly hear of any of them being caught so well you know and and bourbon are um you know we've had spots where you know you talk about a moments in time where when we were doing our real in and some projects within fishermen like a decade or so ago we, we had spots on the copal lakes where we could go and just stack them like crazy mm-hmm. and now they are hard to find um yeah. you know you're going yeah, to need bakers yeah, and you're going to Diefenbaker and Last Mountain, and I think there's a few different reasons. I think uh, things are changing out there with the environment, uh, you know, like uh, w- whether it's a shorter winter or whatever. Uh, but uh, the other thing is, burbot are extremely, and, and we've categorized this, and, and we, if you look at our getfishing.ca library with all the 
unbelievable underwater shots we have of burbot. They're they're a wonderful fish that they come out to play. They're not mm-hmm. cagey like walleyes, you know, when you get it, they, they don't care that a camera's there. And and part of the reason is, you know, when we're targeting them, it, that's that February, March when they're spawning. And uh, they're, they're aggressive and they don't, they, they look at it as a minor annoyance that you're even there because they're trying to get done what nature, you know, intended. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is when people keep an over harvest, uh, and and let, let's not forget the the limit of burbot eight per day, which is still pretty high number. Yeah, when extremely. Of, yeah, like if the three of us go, we keep twenty four in one day, and we go mm-hmm. do that repeatedly. You know, well, I mean, possession is the limit, so we'd have to eat yeah. all those fish and then go out again, which is an important thing too. That I think we try to encourage, and I'm sure you guys too do too. Is people don't either they don't read or they don't know the regulations or they don't take it as seriously as they should because mm-hmm. uh you know there's times we've gone out and you know we, whether it'd be seminars or whatever we ask people well, do you know what the limit for this is you know and they'll talk we'll have some people go well walleye well that's 10 isn't it and i'm like i'm glad you're here sir because we're gonna yeah. tell you that that's not <laughs> yeah. you know um you know and or they think possession possession used to be double you know what what the daily limit is and now daily limit is possession meaning if i have four walleyes i can only have four in my freezer at one time but anyway just getting back to the burbot thing there was a time not that long ago that burbot didn't even have a limit on and uh you know it they are vulnerable on those shoals in the in the winter time in in a spawning situation like in some if you find a good shoal where they're spawning 30 percent of the burbot population might be on that shoal in the entire lake you know, yeah. so, yeah. um, it's really important that, you know, when we go burbot fishing, it's about 95% catch and release, maybe even higher. And we'll occasionally keep what we call a non-breeder. And, and Jeff's done a lot of talking about this and research on burbot is it seems like when, when we're capturing them on our underwaters, we have those big, you know, in the, in the wintertime, they're this thick, they're like footballs yeah. around. And, and they're male and female. Apparently, you can't even tell the difference. They're just all swollen up and ready to, you know, get at it type yeah. of thing, right, for spawning. And then you've got these, like, skinny ones that have developed nothing. And and uh, we think they're the sentries. They're the ones roaming to clear everything off mm-hmm. so the breeders can, can do this. Because you have to think, this is how Mother Nature works. Burbot come in first, and there's, there's suckers, there's ciscos, there's perch in there just trying to eat their eggs yeah. and then, and they're trying to chase everything off. The only thing they can't chase off are giant pike. And you'll get, if you got a tip up down, you're going to poke some like 25 plus pound pike while you're down there yeah. on these burbot shoals. So that, that's kind of fun and cool too. But then, then as you say, it starts with the burbot and then the suckers spawn and then uh, the walleyes and everything else. And then in the fall, when the ciscos and the whitefish spawn, guess what's in there eating whitefish and cisco eggs? Burbot. You know, okay. so, so it's kind of like turnabout is fair play, kind of how this mm-hmm. goes, right? Yeah. You know, so, yeah. uh, so, so yeah, it's, it, mother nature's got this pretty well designed. She's been working on it for a few thousand years. So she's kind of got a bit of a track record, you <laughs> yeah. know, on, on yeah. how she makes all this stuff work, you know? So it's, it's pretty fascinating, especially as I say, I know I'm kind of jumping around here on you guys, but, oh, no worries. uh, you, you know, with the underwater stuff like that really gave us the drive to uh really show people uh what is going on down there because they 
we really had no idea. And we still really don't have any idea. No. Yeah. Be- because the underwater camera changes the environment just by its very yeah. presence, you know? Yeah. Um, but the cool thing about an underwater camera and, and I, and, and I know you folks, uh, you know, uh, are, are used to for a lot of your life, having a screen, a device, the internet, um, if, if it helps get the younger generation out to have some screens, I'm all Mm -hmm. for that. I mean, I don't think we should stare at the screens all day, but just having that screen makes it seem like it, like it's been a good day just seeing something down there and seeing yeah. how they react to your hookers. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I want to jump in here, Brandon, because there's two things I picked up on when Jace was talking there. The first one is when you're talking about the burbot being vulnerable. Um, we had an episode around maybe eight months ago, I think, talked about tips for burbot, and that was one thing we harped on. Well, with it being mine for sure, I I don't know about Brandon, but he says it too, with being one of our favorite species, like. They once you find them, it's not hard. It's almost hard not to catch them, right? Like it's well, the hard part is finding them sometimes. But then when you do find them, it's it's like it's just like sometimes it's down in the bottom, fish back up, right? Like it can be pretty crazy. And so that's what we talked about: is you need to be conservative with what you're going to be doing with them. And and like I hardly keep anyways. But um, the biggest thing is like if I am going to keep, lots of times um, they'll take it deep, right? And so that's when I, I will end up keeping one or two kind of thing. But that's one thing I want to talk about is we've harped on that too, is you gotta, you gotta be conscious of what you're doing when you are catching them. Because when you find them, like you said, it's not like walleye, it's not like even perch, right? Like they, they're there and they will hammer pretty well, whatever's down there. So, um, I found that really interesting, but I also wanted to mention, you talked about the pike being in there with them. Um, that was how I caught what used to be my biggest pike is I had a jaw jacker down with, uh, what was it? a smaller uh, herring with a jig and I was just sitting down there in 25 feet of water for a burbot and pulled up a 24 and a half pound pike or something like that and so I just thought oh that's something weird going on I didn't realize that they'll hang out down there as well kind of with the burbot stuff going on but it makes sense because they it almost seems like burbot's a candy for all the other species like trout and pike stuff like that so um, I found that really interesting and you're able to kind of unlock that in my brain as to why that why that pike was down there. Yeah, well, well it's on for a silver platter for a pike. That's <laughs> true. Well, you know, and 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 there's no question, you know, like burbot if if they're small enough, certainly, uh, you know, they're they got no spines. They go slide down real good, you know, like they, they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's not like eating a perch or you know a twenty pound walleye trying to take down a three pound walleye or t- t- twenty pound pike trying to take down a three pound walleye. You yeah. know, they're they're gonna get spined in the mouth and. You know, it's going to be a battle. I think they're going to get some scars at it. But bourbon, yeah. you know, they're they're a lot. Of, they really, it's interesting. And again, one of our videos uh, where I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it, but it was a total rare capture, and it was unbelievable. Where I was on one of the Capel lakes, and I was just, it, it, I had a good walleye spot where they were coming in. The shot was nice and clear, so I was trying some different lures to see what I could get for strike shots. And this little burbot, I want to say, is probably about this big maybe i don't know a little over 15 maybe 14 15 inches maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe not even that big he just starts coming in and he's going around the lure and, he, and he's bumping the, the 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 minnow head it was just a spoon with and he's bumping the minnow head rolling his body to kind of tasting it with his body and i'm like that's cool i wonder why he's not eating. he just seemed he wanted to play with it or taste it and not actually put his mouth on it and then all of a sudden i just see out of the corner in the 
frame, like way up here, just mm-hmm. this head coming in, this giant pike head, just slowly. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get a pike eating a bourbon <laughs> yeah. on film, right? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and this little bourbon, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited, but I'm, I'm feeling bad for him, right? <laughs> At the yeah. same time, because he's done. And then uh, all of a sudden he turns and he sees the pike and the pike tilts down. And you, and anybody who spent time filming underwaters know that those pike love to ride high. You, you got to really do something special for them to come down into the, into the silt. They seem to want to stay up high and chase stuff high. And, uh, he looks down and he's, he's positioning. You can just see the pectorals are going like this, like he's lining them up. And this little burbot just starts totally mucking up the place. He goes down and just the silt's flying everywhere. And now I'm upset because I'm, I don't have a shot. shot. (laughs) Yeah. Cause he's mucked it up and, and, and this pike kind of comes down, comes down and then just turns away like this, like, ah, I. I'm not going down into the mud for you. Forget about yeah. it. I'm not, I'm not getting dirty, you know? Yeah. And then he turned away and then, uh, and then the burba goes away. Pike goes away. And a few minutes later, burba comes and eats the spoon. I catch him, release him. And I don't see either one of them for the rest of yeah. the day, you know, but I'm like, that was clearly the little burbots like that, that this is all I can do here. I, I got to yeah. make it so messy and mucky and visually challenging for that pike to want to come and eat me. Not to mention, all the scent that probably is in that silt that he's stirring up that would throw the pike scent trail off and everything. Um, you know, it was, it was a remarkable capture to see yeah. something like oh, that. Absolutely. And, 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 and as burbot lovers that you guys are, we're, I don't think there either there's more of us than we think, or we're just the few that are publicly willing to admit that we love burbot. You know, yeah. <laughs> that goes, it's, it's, you know, yeah. it's not sexy. It's not the sexy fish. Right. So, uh, it's not a walleye pike or a, a jumbo perch or a big lake trout, but man, they are, they're something else. Well, they're, they're such a character fish, you know, that they're, they're one of the few fish that can swim up vertically or, or straight down this way and, and be very comfortable while doing it. We, we've seen mm-hmm. him do it on film and, and the fact that they, like he was just totally twisting his tail back and forth, like totally mocking up the joint. Right. You know, to, yeah. to, to do anything he could to turn that big pike off. Like, and, and you'd think, you know, we often talk and think that these bigger fish have the more intelligence, they have the experience and, and, you know, they, they must have some cause they got big, they didn't get yeah. captured and thrown yeah. in the frying pan, but that little burbot out, outwitted him. He, he just said, this is my deal. If, you, if you're going to get, if you're going to eat me, you got to come find me. And that pike just set him out, you know, which was, yeah. it was so cool to see. And, and it's stuff like that, as they say, the underwater work, I know I mentioned it before, but, but that got us the opportunity to get on TV with our stuff, got us the chance to, to not just be fishing specific, but kind of when you, when you do stuff on the news, like it is a general audience, right? Like it, it has to appeal yeah. to more than just a specific angler. And, and I think seeing those underwater shots, like we've met folks who've said, you know, I don't even really like fishing, but man, I love watching that stuff. I love yeah. watching nature and, and, and something that I had no idea that all that stuff was going on under the surface of the lake. And, and like I tell people, you look out at the lake in this beautiful scene and it is beautiful. It's so good for the soul. I'm sure you guys would agree. Just, just sitting on the shore, watching the lake. But I said, you know, down below, it's war down there. It's <laughs> oh, eat or yeah. be eaten. It's like, you know, you if you if you're too small, you better go hide in the weeds or whatever. And 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 you know, it's even interesting on, on your fish finder. You know, when you're jigging walleyes and perch, and 
they'll come up uh, maybe two, three feet, the smaller ones, and then they're like, I'm not coming up in. I, I can't expose myself like it's that. I'm afraid zone. something's going to. Exactly. You know, like yeah. it, they know that there's there's something coming and they're going to get T-boned if they don't get, they yeah. don't stay cagey and go hide near the bottom for sure. Yeah. That's what I've always, uh, anytime you're in a bay, especially up north, not down south as much, but you go up north, you get like north of the range and stuff and you start tossing in a bay with reeds. It's like, how does anything survive in here? My spoon hits the water and it's instantly a pike. Like there seems to be pike everywhere. And I'm like, how does any other, well, even other pike, like how do other species even survive there? Like you said, it's war. Like I'm sure it'd be tough being on edge every second of your life there. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. And I mean, that's clearly why, you know, perch go swimming schools. They, they, Mm -hmm. they hope that when an attack happens, it's Bob and Phyllis that are going to get it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's Yeah. That's unreal. I like I like that one. Yeah. Um, okay. So you are a, uh, you're a pro staff for Cabela's as well, eh? Yeah, that's correct. We're actually, uh, Cabela's ambassadors, uh, both Jeff and I. Yeah. Okay. In Saskatchewan. How long, yeah. Yeah. How long have we, you we, uh, been doing that? Yeah. We started as pro staff back in, uh, officially in 2014. So, uh, we're, okay. we're getting up to about. I guess next year will be nine, nine years. And, uh, really it, it was an opportunity that happened, uh, that, that the, uh, Jesse Culbert is, is the young man's name. He actually works out in BC now. And if Jesse, if you're watching, Hey man, nice to see you. Um, <laughs> he was, uh, sort of the marketing coordinator, the first one that at the store at Cabela's in Regina. And he remembered our real in work. And they were looking for pro staffers at the time and they approached us and, and, you know, it, it, it's been a wonderful opportunity to, uh, you know, be part of something new, uh, but also have that opportunity to, to do those seminars that, you know, we were doing quite regularly before the pandemic. Uh, but, uh, but we did a few videos and different product stuff and, uh, it's just been a really fun experience. You know, we've got to know, uh, some folks corporately uh, and some people who have been lifelong friends who work in Winnipeg and other parts of the country. Gord Pizer, another one who we, we got to know Gord even better through uh, the, the Cabela's Pro Staff yep. Ambassador experience. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun getting help, having them help us, uh, you know, promote get fishing and also just promote the sport of fishing and get people out there enjoying fishing. You know, and, mm-hmm. and in addition to that, we, we, uh, we've had the opportunity to be the Saskatchewan ambassadors for, uh, keep Canada fishing and national fishing week as well in, in the province yep. of Saskatchewan. And again, the mandate's the same. It's just get people out fishing. And, uh, the whole thing has just been a wonderful experience. And we thank anybody, you know, who's given us the, the opportunity. And, and when it comes to, to the, some of the history of us too, you know, some of your other guests that you've had on, like, uh, like our friend Tim Jenny, like t- like Tim took us under his wing when I was a young university student and said, "I'll take you walleye fishing and stuff." And uh, you know, now we're, Tim now we're time stamping Tim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> well, and and to, hey, to, Tim Tim might have a little bit more experience than all of us, but that guy could could walleye fish us under the table. We we know he oh, can, yeah. and and, and we, I just try to glob on and learn from him every single time. Uh, yeah. I have an opportunity and, there you and go. Jeff as hey, well, you know, Tim, there's your plug. I know you're listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi Tim. How you doing? Hope to see you on the ice this winter. Oh yeah. He'll be out there. He loves, oh, he loves sure early he ice. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I, I, I cut you off there. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no, I see you post all the time about Cabela's and whatnot. Um, I guess just jumping back to, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, with seminars and stuff is, do you have anything like that coming up with Cabela's in the near future? Or do you guys, are you doing any seminars for, you know, leading up to early ice here? Yeah, well, we're, we're planning on, on, uh, doing some stuff, uh, in, uh, at the, at the, uh, Toronto, uh, in Toronto, actually at okay. the ultimate ice show. That's a new thing there, which I know is like that, not in Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. uh, but well, for sure, we're going to be doing our, our CTV segments that we'll share and, and do that. Um, we've done some stuff with the Regina uh, Public Library as well, uh, recently, okay. both open water to, to just do sort of a little fishing thing there. So, so it's, it's always possible as we get close to Christmas that we'll, we'll be doing some stuff, uh, around the community, whether or not, uh, and, and definitely promoting some of the stuff that Cabela's has to help you be a better anchor yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's something that's pretty interesting too, with the Cabela's, um, I guess it, you said it's, what was it? The ambassador team now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's interesting because obviously you see lots of, uh, other brands and stuff. There's, it's, there's lots of pro staff, but you don't see that a lot from Cabela's as far as a pro staff or ambassador role. But when you do, it's, it's actually like, it's very educational, um, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of, uh, quality content to it and information to be gained from, from all the things they provide, it seems. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a fun learning environment, you know, as they say, not just for us, but, and, and one of the things that, uh, you know, we really enjoy about doing our seminars and, and, uh, getting out and talking to the public is, uh, just that we learn so much from the people who come to listen to us talk, you know, mm-hmm. like about their techniques and, and, and different things. And, uh, cause we all have great, wonderful, cool ideas to contribute, you know, and, and we, uh, certainly, you know, uh, are, are a work in progress. You know, we, by no means do we think we know how to catch fish in every condition. I mean, just like anybody else, we, we, you know, often we go out and do well, but there are days that we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's important, I think those days that we don't to really, you don't obsess about it too much. I probably obsess about it a little bit too much when I don't do well and think I should do better, but, um, I'm sure you guys do the same, yeah. you know, but it's like, it's really important, I think, to kind of learn two things. Um, what, what were the, the learning pieces that you took out of today? If you were to do it all over again, what might you have done differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first thing. And the second thing is. Why are you really going out? Was it all about catching as many fish as you could, or was it just going out, get, getting the fresh air, appreciating the experience, resetting your mental health, uh, getting out of the, the like I live in the city, you know, and I know Regina's not a big town, but, you know, between between the sirens and the, and the hollering neighbor and the blah, 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 you know, yeah. it's just nice to get out in the peace and quiet of nature <clears> and hearing <throat> the birds and, and those types of things. So there's... Uh, I guess my point is, is just because you struggle with the fish, don't let that ruin your day. You know, like, like just realize that you had that opportunity and every single time we go, you know, it's important, I think, to to remember that opportunity we had to, to, to enjoy doing what we love and to try to learn something new and and experience something different is, 
is to me the most important thing. Maybe maybe that's an age thing or a wisdom thing that I've learned over the years, or maybe that's how I cope now. Mm-hmm. If I if I don't do well when I go fishing, <laughs> you know, you know, no, but, no. Uh, <laughs> those are those are some pretty wise words there, Jay. So I mean, and that's too right. Like get fishing, essentially, right? Get fishing to. Uh, get better and that kind of ties in with the whole weekend warrior aspect of it too you know it's uh, uh, everybody that works all week that wants to get out and enjoy what they like their passion live out their passion on the weekend uh, you know just kind of release get away from the city um, and just you know be out in nature and I think you know getfishing.ca and the weekend warriors have very very similar um, missions and, and, and visions as to, uh, the, the people that we want to reach and the message that we want to get out there. So I think, you know, a bad day of fishing, is it fun? No, but like you mentioned, there's always something to take away from it and something to learn and next time something new to try. So, um, I think that's a fantastic point. Well, you know, it, it, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this yet. I don't know if this happens on Buffalo pound, but and, and it's about time Jeff and I got off our duffs and did something about it. Um, at this time of the year, just before freeze up, uh, the carp come flying up to the surface and they're just grazing on the dying algae. I mm-hmm. think is what they're doing. And you just see these swirls and you look up in the boat if you're cagey enough because you'll spook them. You just see their heads coming up and their lips coming like this. And some of them are like 20 pounds. And yeah. I know there's a lot of people that hate carp. I know there's a lot of people who get confused with what's happening in the U.S. with these Asian carp that will come out of the boat and hit you in the face and break your nose, and <laughs> yeah. you know, which is pretty terrifying if that ever happens up here. Let's hope that doesn't. But the common carp that we have, I love to catch them. I'm, yeah. I'm just totally admitting, I mean, we've had days, particularly in the spring, pre-spawn, where these things are just biting like crazy, everything you can imagine. And, you know, you can go out one night and catch 100 pounds of carp. Name a single yeah. other fish you can do that with, you know. Exactly. And, and you know, it's all catch, but, but they're fun. And, and here's the other thing. As a kid, I grew up in the eastern Coppell, so I fished around Lake a ton as a kid. And there were there was a fair number of drought years kind of going into the nineties. Uh, and, uh, I was, I was a young kid back then. Uh, and there weren't always a lot of walleyes to catch so that you just sit with a pick or rig and a bobber or whatever. And we started catching these carp and, and then we'd break them off. And then you'd be like, well, I got to tie up a 20 pound rig. Then. So you, you kind of figured out what do you got to do to land these things? Right. Yeah. And you got better. I need a beefier rod, beefier line. And then guess what? You, if you learn how to consistently catch 10 to 20 pound carp the day you hook that 10 to 12 pound walleye you're not going to lose it because you know how to fight a fish you know how to keep the pressure on you know when to let it run you know where you may even have to back reel if 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 it's cold and your reel's not working well you know these are all lessons you know that are going to help you for other species and the other thing we noticed too when we would fish for carp uh and we try different things for like shrimp and different stuff We'd all of a sudden catch a seven, eight pound walleye doing that, you know, yeah. like, and, and I'm just like, and, and it was kind of a bit of a downer because we had just got a 20 pound pike and this thing yeah. was my, or, or carp. I mean, you know, it yeah. wasn't a downer because I got a seven, eight pound walleye, but you're really heavily tackled up and it yeah. was a quick battle. But yeah, like there, there's all those, those other things like, you know, even when we uh, did a few learn to fishes with the SAS parks last few years, we'd go out and basically spend an hour of instruction, then an hour of fishing. A lot of young families, a lot of kids. 
they don't care what they catch. If, like we got a sucker, we got a gold eye when we were at Diefenbaker. People just caught a fish and that to them was wonderful and that was special. It didn't have to be a walleye. It didn't have to be a pike. Just anything that blesses you by bending the rod, that's a good mm-hmm. day, no matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, and I, I think I totally agree with that. I don't know if it's like an ADHD thing or something with me maybe, but I can't like... I'm not a wallet, not just a walleye guy or just a pike guy or just a perch guy. Like I, I like to switch up a lot when you talking about the carp, uh, maybe I'll have to take you out for carp at Buffalo sometime. Cause it's, it's definitely, uh, I've got, I've got my, my spot in quotations. I got my spot mm-hmm. and it's uh, it oh, is an oh, early you're, spring you're one spot. of those guys. Hey, yeah, no, no, never seen anyone else there, but, uh, it's a cool little spot. You park the boat, mm-hmm. do about a 500 yard hike with all your gear and, um, it's, you're fishing right offshore, but it's, it's a blast. And I do that in spring, um, before the spot gets weeded out. Cause I'm only fishing about four or five feet of water. Um, right. but no, it's, it's a blast. Like I remember I, I kind of figured out, you see it on, I'd see it on YouTube a lot, uh, the carp scene and how lots of guys, like when, when you get a pure carp angler, it is crazy how much knowledge and, and whatever goes into all that stuff with them. And there's a couple guys in Saskatchewan, Manitoba here that, um, I follow whether I see them on Facebook or Instagram and yeah, they're dialed into the carp. Uh, I think like Lake La Parade is pretty good for carp and all the, all the Coppell chain is pretty good for carp. But yeah, when, with mentioning Buffalo, um, it's, it's a blast. And I did like my first, I think I just, I always talk about whenever someone comes out with me, I'm like, I did 10 sessions of at least two hours each without my line going once without a single like drive by, even just the line getting nudged. Cause I'd have the bite alarm or whatever. So um, would try it with that. But I said, I went, I went 10 sessions. So at least 20 hours with not a single bite. But then when I finally figured it out and that first carp was like 15 pounds, I was like, I don't know why anyone wouldn't like doing this. Like, it's like the fight they put up and especially in the shallow water where I was doing that is kind of like a redfish, but a prairie one kind of thing. So, well, and, and, you know, you think about it worldwide, they're probably the most sought after freshwater fish on earth or one of the most you know when you when you take take asia you take europe you know where they have those sophisticated bite alarms where these carp are so fished you know in these private ponds that they use 132nd ounce weights because they're going to drop it you know like i mean yeah i and and you could teach me a ton of things about carp because i'm 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 pretty old school in terms of I, I got I got a modified pecker rig, typically what I use with worms or a little bit of corn or whatever, yeah. and wait for them against the shore, and I pitch it there, and I wait till they rip the rod out of my hand, basically. Or the yeah. opposite, they bite it, they panic, and they swim straight towards me, right? And, yeah. Um, you, you know, like there's there's a whole, uh, yeah, it's it's a whole different way of doing it if, if you really get into the those those defined professional carp tactics you know Mm -hmm. which is a whole other other way to go but but yeah it's just you you know it's a wonderful sport fishing opportunity uh, i I call it and and as i say they're they're just uh they're a really wonderful sport fish and yeah i i even know some of our new canadians that that have moved to saskatchewan you know they they will keep them and they'll they'll eat them they they obviously have a special way to prepare them because because they are quite bony uh but there's plenty of them out there. Like they should absolutely be encouraged to do some harvest on carp. Anybody who wants to keep them, why, like, why not? Yeah, there's, there's tons. And I just back to you kind of mentioning about, uh, the size of the carp and, and being around the surface, like you said, eating off the surface there. Um, like our biggest carp so far, I got my little cousin on it. I think it was 32 pounds, um, oh. out of Buffalo. And that was <laughs> his first carp. He wanted to catch carp so bad and <clears throat> ended up getting him that last spring, and so he was, he was jacked about that. But one of the biggest things you learn from all those 
like carp heads, we'll call them, like the professional carp yeah. people, is how to take care of a fish. Like people here think of them as a trash fish, whereas those people, they've got like wet mats for them. Um, like I used to cradle and stuff to, to weigh. I do that for any fish I weigh. I have a cradle for it. But still, like most people, if they were to catch a carp, it'd be hung by their bony gill plate there and to find out the weight, right? But the way carp anglers, and they got like sprays to fix the little holes from the hooks and stuff. And so they really teach you how to take care of a fish. But you see it at Buffalo all the time with, I don't know if it's with it being shallower and lots of sometimes hardly any moving water at all, but when they're sunning themselves or whatever on top, um, if you go out in the paddleboard and kind of mess around in the weeds a little bit, like between big mouth Buffalo and the carp, you'll see, like you can basically get right on top of the fish before it takes off. Cause there's no clear there, but you'll see some massive, massive fish out there. Well, and you know, big mouth Buffalo, and I don't know how many times you've talked about big mouth Buffalo on the, on the podcast, probably not a lot, but these things are old. Yeah. They're like 80, 90 years old, the big, like 40 pounders. And, yeah. and I got one that was 45 inches on round lake back when I was Holy man. in 2008, I was walleye fishing and I'm just going in the boat where I was just, you know, trolling up the river and I set the hook and I, oh, I'm snagged back the boat right on top, pulling it, snag, go this way, snag. And I put my hand around the line and did this and all of a sudden zip and yeah. it takes off and I'm like, Oh, it is a fish. And yeah, this thing, I uh, got a picture of it like uh, 45 inches, like I uh, measured it. And I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how much it weighed. I just wanted to get it, get it back. Yeah. Uh, but they're unlike carp, they are a native fish. We represent yeah. the extreme Northwest part of their natural range. Mm -hmm. They're not doing super well, but I think part of the reason is they need marsh habitat and they need flowing water is what I understand. They have kind of, they seem to do well in that one in 20 year flood event that we get that they, that they need to really get up in those reeds, but they're an incredible cool looking sport fish that, um, again, the, us folks who get a chance to fish the Coppell in those Southern areas of Saskatchewan, we're, we're lucky we got all these cool species, you know, like, um, and they get huge. And, and again, they're just, they're, they're so old. Can you imagine catching a fish? Like I know lake trout are old too, but catching yeah. something that was alive back, you know, in, in, in the second world war when it was born, you know, like it's yeah, just, exactly. it just blows your mind. Yeah. Like we, we have talked about him a bit. Um, I know James that we've had on from the SWF there. Um, I believe he's head of fisheries. Uh, he's doing, trying to do a project on right now and, there isn't a lot known. Usually when we talk about them, like I've been lucky enough to be in the boat probably five or six times when they've been caught uh, between Last Mountain and, and Buffalo. But um, like there's not a lot known about them. But the biggest thing anytime we've talked about them is know the difference between your carp and your big mouth buffalo or even your suckers. Like you see it on Facebook all the time. Like everyone saying, oh, throw it on the shore, throw it on the shore. It's like, no, that's that's not. Like that's a pretty important species there and like you said could be very old i know i watched meat eater had a really good um i think it was on youtube some some videos about the big mouth buffalo uh just what they know about them for their age their spawning like when they reach maturity i think is something crazy uh for when they can start spawning so yeah we haven't talked about them a ton um but definitely a pretty special species that is one of the reasons that i think it's so important that people need to know what they're fishing for like i always i don't laugh it is kind of funny in a sense but it also kind of makes me mad when i see on facebook someone's got a fish in their sink and they're like caught this today what is it i'm like it shouldn't be in your sink if you didn't know what it was right to bring home but that's kind of the thought process with fishing is 
kind of still like that kind of you catch it you keep it is what lots of people think that don't know as much so if you are in need of a boat whether it be a pontoon fishing boat maybe you just need a small boat to get into the backwoods um, a river system check out our friends jp adventure rentals and sas best boat rentals they have everything you need for all of your adventures whether it be fishing or fun with the family be sure to mention that you're a Weekend Warriors listener for 10% off everything, including gift cards. Here's a quick word from JP Adventure Rentals. Get your adventure on with JP Adventure Rentals in Saskatchewan. Whether it's remote ice fishing, hunting, trail riding, or just taking family and friends out for a day of fun. JP Adventure Rentals has you covered with brand new ATVs, snowmobiles, aluminum trailers, plus accessories. Visit jpadventurerentals.ca to make your reservation. Check out our sister company, Saskatchewan's Best Boat Rentals, for all of your boat rental needs. Pre-book now. Get out there with JP Adventure Rentals. We rent fun. Yeah, well, and I, I think you're, you're totally right. I mean, it, it really, there are, I would argue, and, and, and you know, when we talk about our Learn to Fish program that, that we, whether I do it for the library or, or the SAS Parks that we, we, we've done, is we spend time on fish identification. And, and I tell folks flat out, as an angler, you have some basic responsibilities. And that is you need, you need to know the law. You need to know what you can and can't do, what you're allowed to do and not do. Not just generally, but specific bodies of water. Like, you know, when you go to Lake of the Prairies, border water, everything's got to be barbless. All walleys between 18 and 28 inches need to be released. All pike, I think, over, what is it, 75 centimeters. I'll make sure and read it before I go fishing because I don't quite know it. Mm-hmm. Tobin's a little bit different. You know, we have these specific high-quality fisheries for a reason. And, 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 and it, just like buffalo pound, you got to know your perch limit is 10. That It's right in the guide. You got to yeah, know Yeah, it just that. changed. And, yeah, and, and uh, so that that's part of it. And, and the other thing is you got to know the difference between a perch and a walleye. Mm-hmm. because some people claim they don't and and there's way it's way too easy to just pull up your phone and find this stuff out yeah. it's not oh, like yeah. it was back when i was a young whippersnapper where <laughs> if you didn't have the the guide that old paper copy that they used to give you you know you didn't you couldn't jump on social media and ask people and you know uh, you can ask somebody right then and there too if you're not sure but i mean uh, I guess giving you guys, you know, a proper plug too. that it's you guys really focus on having good, solid, accurate, truthful information about fishing. Right. And that is important too. like a podcast such as this, getfishing.ca. What we do is making sure the the platforms we have, that the information we're putting out there is good, accurate information. So people Mm -hmm. understand those, as you had said, doing things the right way. And I agree with you, Logan, like you can't be telling, asking people after the fact when something's dead in your sink, what is it? You know, cause yeah. at that yeah. point it, it's, you know, we've even had people I know in Saskatoon that have been prosecuted for catching a sturgeon, which it's immediate release, yeah. uh, you know, and, and taking them home, throwing them in their tub, taking some pictures and then putting them back in the river. Well, no. you know, that it's just stuff like that. Pe- people got to know they can't do that. And, and, you know, it's important too. you talk about, you know, we, we started it with the carp, but when you do catch and release, you got to do it the right way. Uh, yep. and you got to take care of those fish. You got to keep them wet. You got to keep them in the net or, or get them in the live log, get your camera ready, get your picture, get them overboard. Uh, and we got to do stuff like, you know, 
fight the urge to fish for walleyes over 30 feet. You know, stuff yep. like yep. that because you're going to blow them up. Same with perch. The, this is all important stuff that we all can teach everybody out there. Of, of pro, th- this comes down to ethics, ethical angling, and stuff we we got to teach people and yep. and really drill it into them in, 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 in a in a coaching way. You know, not a, you shouldn't do that, but like just yeah. just help people out. You know that, that this is what you got to do because you know there's lots of people are getting into fishing and that's great. Um, I think we're probably a quarter million people probably in Saskatchewan throw okay. a line in the water. You know, every year. Um, you know, and a lot of the stats don't show with licenses because people under sixteen and people over sixty five don't need a license, right? Right. But there's no more fish. You know, so we have to take care of what we have, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, we've had pe- more people move here in the last 20 years. And it's important if we do that, if we take care of them, if the focus isn't getting our limit every single time we go out, we're going to have great fishing into the future, you know, yeah. but, but I it's think, all part uh, of taking care of it. Yeah. And I, I think that, I don't know how you would necessarily do it. I know a lot more things are going online as far as like there's the Sask fish hunt app, which has been great. Um, I've used that for hunting and fishing, but, um, I always thought like I, so I just got my hunter safety and that stuff a couple of years ago now, and they're pretty good about no, like, obviously it's important to know the difference between a mule deer and a, and a whitetail or what's a moose versus an elk, right? Like it's, you're going to shoot something. There's, you can't release that. Right. So, um, I think it's, but even as far as fishing, I was like, how, how difficult would it be to have like, yeah, you're buying your light, your license online. Here's a 10 minute video walkthrough or something that would just help identify things because that's the biggest thing and it could just educate people a little bit as far as like uh these are the species this is how you can kind of tell them apart and something they can always come back to because you don't see a lot of resources like that um obviously it'd be different when you would have the paper copy and stuff and i liked having the paper copy but harder to come by now too right so um that's something i've always kind of been interested in is some kind of it doesn't have to be like a huge thing but some kind of little course to kind of show people what what's what and some good practices yeah no it, it it's so true logan like i mean it uh you, you know even when you go to buy your license maybe you have to do a click through to the synopsis and and at least acknowledge that you've opened it up and seen it mm-hmm. and then click i acknowledge it and then boom you can purchase your license like even something like that would be good i as i understand part of it was cost is why they're not out there as much anymore why things have gone online like a lot of things yeah and when things change in the regulations you know they get it's really easy on a digital copy online to just change it re-upload it as you know and away you go so so it's it's something that demonstrates that people have actually read the synopsis i think is a really good idea for for any jurisdiction yeah exactly and well i think just the way that you know people are going to is i mean with anything like your your website youtube everything like that people prefer to watch videos or maybe um take more away from watching a video and a tutorial rather than just reading you know a brochure or an article um that maybe they're not 100 percent paying attention to they're just skimming through um but and they're missing kind of maybe some main details but yeah i think logan like what you mentioned it would be pretty i think it would be huge to have some sort of like video overview of just the basics like as far as like fish identification um and your kind of general um laws that go along with angling and hunting too Mm -hmm. 
yeah, like you're not going to be able to obviously show everything, but even just to have a starting point, right, of showing yeah. holding one one hand's a perch and one's a walleye so people can see it right there, like, bang, this is the difference. Or a sucker and, and a carp or a carp and a Prussian carp, right? Because that's another big one is, oh, that's a Prussian carp when it's a common carp or same thing with the buffalo. Well, like just something to give people a, a reference. And just, you know, even how to properly, like, hold and handle a fish if you're going to be releasing it. Yeah. Right. Or, so. Oh, it's not, it's not by the eyes. <laughs> right. Like, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. No, for, no, for sure. You know, like there's, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of things that have like happened amongst the generations. And I know I'm the older generation. I'm the elder statesman, if you will, on, on our podcast tonight. But the, the one thing when I was a kid, I'm talking in the eighties and, and early nineties, like you would almost get into a fist fight if you're like, I caught a five pound walleye and I'm going to let it go. And they're like, mm-hmm. what? What's wrong with yeah. you? Like you, you're, you're messed up. Why would you, what, what's wrong with that thinking? Right. So yeah. I, I want to say, I want to just give my, my generation, maybe a little pat on the back. Thanks to the generation before me that said, it's okay to catch and release. I feel yeah. like that is something that for you guys, if you do that now, people are, it, it's, it's, you're not getting chastised for it anymore. Right. It's, a, it's a normal thing to catch and release. I think what's the next evolution in that? I think, well, possibly selective harvest and better ways to take care of the fish. You know, like I see a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff, you know, online where people catch, it's often on the river where I see this muddy covered walleye or sturgeon. Look at this cool catch. And it is a cool catch, but I'm like, that's not good for the fish to be covered in mud like that. You basically wipe got it all slime ground off it and Mm -hmm. i don't know how long it's going to take to shed that and it it could get an infection you know and and worse yet it could die from it you know like i think it's just basic education of of just really taking care of those fish like i've i've seen it myself where people i've saw people land a 12 pound while i throw it in the bottom of the boat screw around with their camera and waste time is this thing's flopping all over the place breaking its fins and getting stressed out where you could have put it in the live well or just laid it back in your net. And the other thing about net, nets too, you know, the one thing that we've done is we go with that sort of smaller size rubber mesh as opposed to those old, good old style, almost basketball netting, rope, that yeah. heavy stuff. Uh, yeah. That fish will go right through it, right? And just really tear themselves up and split their fins. You know, that lighter mesh, bigger hoop on them is a lot easier on that fish, doesn't split their fins up as much and, it's mm-hmm. just a lot easier on the slime coat. You know, I think that all those things, you know, it's important that we take care of those fish, especially the big ones that we've been blessed with that opportunity to catch that giant fish. We got to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's uh, a big thing I noticed, like with that pike that I mentioned earlier uh, in the episode here, like that one, it, it blew up on Facebook pretty good. And <clears throat> with that, you're going to get a lot of people that don't know as much. Right. And that was always, I think I was going to say for our newer or for me and Brandon's age is it's more that you get questioned from the people that don't fish as much of the first question, you show them a picture of a, say a 10 pound walleye. Oh, did you keep it? That's always like 95% of the time. The first question, Oh, did you keep it? No, no, I released it. That's. And so with people that aren't fishing as much, that's kind of always their, their go-to. They think that, Oh, did you keep it kind of thing? Like whether it's for amount or whatever to eat, that's always kind of the question I get at least from people more my age is maybe that's just <clears throat> the only way they know to connect to me showing them the picture. They kind of like leave me alone. I don't know if it's like that, but uh, it's kind of always, did you keep it? And you don't get chastised as much from other fishermen about not keeping. Um, 
like for a quick story, I was at my girlfriend's place at uh, Amisk Lake in northern Saskatchewan there, and her uncle caught a really nice like 27-inch walleye, which is one of the bigger ones I'd seen out there. It's a great fishery, and uh, he was wanting to keep some fish for his neighbor. And we already had a, like a nice like 17 and a half inch eater, but he wanted to keep one more. And he's like, oh, perfect. We've got two walleye now. We can go. And I was like, we're on a pontoon. I'm out with my girlfriend's family, not my family. And there's about eight people of their friends and family. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Like I will not be seeing at the filleting table with this walleye kind of thing. And I was like, we got to let it go. Kind of explained it a bit. And then they were totally fine with it, right? They understood. Oh, this is why we should let it go. It's a breed or this, that, right? So, uh, no, I definitely, definitely know what you mean with, with people kind of questioning it a little bit, but if you're able to educate them and kind of make it make sense, I think people are a lot more open to it nowadays. And I think one thing you said, Jason, too, is selective harvest. And uh, a quote that popped up on one of uh, our previous episodes probably over a year ago, um, but it's always really stuck with myself and Logan, is uh, instead of keeping your limit, limit your keep. And I think, you know, that is... You know, uh, a simple sentence that can go a, a pretty long way if you can, you know, just promote ethical angling and what, you know, a simply just selective harvest and, and limiting your keep can do to um, preserving these resources that we enjoy every weekend or every other weekend. And we want our grandkids and other family members down the road to enjoy as well. So uh, I think it's just it's massive to promote, like you mentioned, and, you know, we have the platforms, you, you know, you have your, your videos, your website, CTV, uh, we have the podcast and, um, you know, we're, we're by no means professionals, but we're people that love, you know, fishing and, and want to make sure that people new and old, um, you know, are aware of what can be done, the simple things that can uh, really help out. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, like, like some of it too is it's really hard, I think. You know, because we're always rushed. We're always like, oh, I got to gotta catch some fish here. Well, should we go try another spot or and all this stuff? Uh, you know, when we're out fishing, but it's important to, to, I think, cover water and move around and not always just beat up on those fish all day in that one spot. Uh, just it, partly to give them a break, partly to help you that when they're not at that spot, you got a different spot to go to. And it just helps you learn the lake better. Um, cause you never know what's around the corner, you know, um, there are days where you're like, well, that was, why did I go do that? When the fish were here, we got skunked over here, but at least, you know, I'm never going to go there again, maybe, mm-hmm. you know? So, so I think that that's important too, is to just always, you know, for your own education to learn different spots. I think it's important to try to build yourself a solid milk run and maybe add to those more often as opposed to this is my spot. I go here all the time. I'm going to only go here. And, you know, I, I think it, it helps, you know, the, get, let those fish recover a little bit from, from your high angling skills. Cause, cause, you know, uh, listening to some of your other guests, you know, talk about uh, our skill level as anglers, you know, especially with the, I uh, mentioned the underwater cameras, but I mean, we got all these electronics, we got mega lives and live scopes and, you know, it, it's the fish don't have as many places to hide. We're getting really good. We're sharing information. You can find, you can go YouTube a specific technique, you know, that, you know, that we use, go to getfishing.ca to our YouTube channel. And, you know, you can learn about drop shotting. You can learn about crankbaits for walleyes. You can learn about whatever. Right. And, and others, many, many others. 
so it's it's important to to you know do that selective harvest limit your catch um and and realize that that it's not all about i get my limit every time we go where there's three of us we better put 12 walleyes better kill them better bring them home it's not like that anymore i, I don't think yeah. that should be the mindset yeah i think uh i don't i might have missed it because i just went to the washroom but uh that quote that brown said about instead of keeping your limit limiting your keep was actually from gord's episode i don't know if you if you said that but that's that's who it was so i guess yeah. that could be kind of a good transition into we talked about it a bit before the recording but you knowing gord and and getting to fish with gord like that's got to be yeah. that's got to be a fun time it it is in gord if you're if you get a chance to watch i mean it it it's we're jeff and i are both very blessed to have you you know as as a friend in the industry a fellow you know cabela's ambassador and, and somebody that we worked with and are very much a your amazing friend to have and and we learn so much from you every single time we read your stuff like everyone else and the rare times we get a chance to spend time with you in your boat is is truly fun and exceptional we even had an opportunity to have him out here once when we were guiding on last mountain and got to spend time in the boat with those guys too um you know so so that that's really the thing as you know he's a he's a walking encyclopedia he he knows everybody he knows every species that we have and and uh, his work is exemplary you know across uh, the the not just this country, but North America. I mean, he's regularly on in Fisherman TV and in the magazine, you know, which is uh, one of the top uh, productions in in North America, if not the top. So, um, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun, you know, especially getting a chance to go for muskies or walleyes or smallies or whatever the case is. You know, whatever Gord wants to do, we're more than happy to to tag along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we were uh, we were fortunate enough. Actually, Gord wrote us uh, wrote us a blog article for our website. So if anybody listening, if you haven't been to our website yet, uh, go check out the Warrior blog. And there is a uh, an article that Gord Pizer wrote for us uh, about more and bigger walleye. So uh, go check that out. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be going. And I think with the the thing with Gord, like you said, like walking encyclopedias. Back to when talking, like people like, oh, who have you had on your podcast? And if they don't really no fishing as much or whatever i'll be like oh he, like we had someone like gord pizer on and he's this and that and i was and they're kind of like okay yeah and i was like so basically like there's this method of fishing called the ned rig and he knows ned <laughs> like that's what yeah. i love to say yeah. that like he knows the Absolutely. guy like, yeah not many people know the people that a method's named after so i was like if that doesn't kind of define how he is or who he is as a person kind of thing like he knows a lot knows a lot of people and yeah i think it's uh i, I could only imagine how much you could learn from one day in the boat with him Oh yeah. Well, and, and you know, he, I want to mention too, he's an amazing resource for our writing projects like Jeff in particular, the other half of getfishing.ca. Jeff, uh, he writes for justfishing.ca, uh, which is a free online magazine uh, as well. It's based in Ontario, but Gord has stuff in there. Uh, the lenders have stuff in there too. And Jeff actually had an article not too long ago about the Ned rig and sort of dives into it a little bit deeper about Ned Katie, Katie and, and, uh, and Gord and everything else in there too. So that's a good read as well. If you get a chance to see it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like, like the, these are techniques that he, he's been around with the, the discovering and, and invention of them. And the other thing, and I got to give Gord credit for this, and this has helped us really up our game for big fish is getting i think and this is a good lesson for all of us is gord helps you it might even force you in a good way to get out of your comfort zone 
Like if you're if you're that guy who's who got has the leeches and the crawlers and the jigs and they always catch walleyes on that, that's great. That's fine. That's awesome. Stick with it. But he says, if you want to get a 10-pound walleye, I'm not saying you're not going to catch one doing that. But if you're throwing a five-inch swim bait, you're going to have a better chance of catching that. And mm-hmm. I know when we did a lot of guiding, you know, uh, years ago, well, not even that long ago, about five years ago or so on, on Last Mountain, we we learned a lot about swim baits from Rob Schultz at GNS Marina, who, if you have a chance at Rowan's, stop in and see him. He's got lots of good stuff there, too. And we've learned a lot from Rob. Uh, but it's all about those bigger baits. You want bigger fish throw bigger baits. And lots of times we think pike, we go bigger. We go these fat, sassy shads and different things like that. Next mm-hmm. thing you know, you're reeling in a 10, 12 pound walleye. Cause guess what? A 10, 12 pound walleye is eating the same thing as a 16 to 18 pound piker. They're not intimidated yeah. by those fish. Uh, there's no, there was an, even a, a misnomer that you smell, you know, other like, while I smell a pike, have you ever heard this as a kid that, that they, and they leave because they're scared of pike. I don't think so. I think perch eat baby pike, to be honest with you. Why? Because they're spine. They don't have spines. And I think they'd go down pretty easy. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm not convinced that those certain things we've, we were led to believe in the past are actually the, the case in, in, in a lot of circumstances. Yeah. And that's lots of, that's just like, it's always interesting knowing or talking to someone who knows the science side or is familiar with it because so many things when it comes to hunting and fishing are just guys like hypothesis of what they saw. They've been in the hills for 20 years hunting and this is what I think. But when you can actually put like stats and, uh, and like actual research behind it to explain these things, I think that's what what helps a lot because lots of the things like me and Brandon would maybe talk about, like, like you said, we always, we would never say something that we knew wasn't true, but maybe some of the stuff that we think, Oh, I, well, I did this because of this. And that's why I use this bait at this time kind of thing. It's just total what I've thought up in my head, right? There's no scientific reason for it, but when you actually start to get into like what animal or what the fish are eating and, and times a year and stuff like that, you can actually put like the, the research to it. I think that's uh that's some of the most helpful stuff that you can tell people. But yeah. well, yeah, exactly. And and trying those trying different things. Like um, you know, one uh video I've been working on for a while is artificial perch. Both uh, I have one up on our on our YouTube channel that uh Buffalo Pound, in fact, one day I'm out in the spring and I'm I'm doing all the small bobbers, piece of crawler, whatever. Mm-hmm. Perch will always eat bait, right? Well, I think most of the time they do, but that day they weren't having it. None of it. They didn't want it. So I grabbed a four-pound test, nice little uh, stick I had, and, and I had just a, a one thirty-second ounce jig and, and a rubber twist, like a little rubber tail. I couldn't keep them off. I was mm-hmm. just slow rolling this thing in four feet of water, you know, before the weeds come up, and it was just wham, wham, wham. They... They were clearly locked in to a horizontal presentation that was that big. Yeah. That was a little min- young of the year minnow or whatever it was. And that's what they were looking for. They weren't looking for a crawler hanging below a bobber. They they were so focused in on that pattern. And then in the wintertime, I'm using these uh, little, uh, well, jig and wraps, like the small size, number threes, or, or those ripping wraps, like the super ultralight tiny ones. Perch yes. went crazy. They just went bananas over these things. 
and, yeah. and you know the the maggots and the the droppers and all that stuff which work they're like eh and get oh wow look at this thing like they just they just went nuts over it right yeah. and and it's like you got to try different things because you're going to yeah. surprise yourself and you're going to yeah. become a more complete angler by doing that yeah and that was the uh the perch in the winter was at buffalo as well yes yeah so i think i guess just from my experience being out there you could go in it, like there's tons and tons of people fishing out there in the winter right there's shocks everywhere small communities you go into every single shack and there's at least one jigawopper tied up so they see those all the time or jigawop and then there's also like they do like those dropper rigs so i think it's something they see a lot as well right but like you said when you do switch over to like the jigging wrap or something like that like that's something not you don't hardly ever see that when you go into people's shacks i'm always got lots of friends out there ever going into shacks and stopping and talking to people and yeah like just maybe taking a little peek, seeing what they're using kind of thing. And yeah, it's, it's pretty consistent. Like I'd say most people are using somewhat of a similar presentation or whatever, but as soon as you switch that up a bit, those perch just, they can turn right on and it can be a great time because there is millions and millions of perch out there. It seems. Well, and you know, I, I don't, uh, the underwater camera definitely helps with this too. And, and Buffalo is the perfect place for it because it's nice and shallow can get a yeah. good shot most of the time. Um, you know, and unless they get stirred up, of course, uh, but you get the competition going, I think. And that's what those, those, uh, ripping wraps and those, those, uh, artificials do is they clank, they bang, they make all kinds of flash wobble vibration, something that gets those fish geeked up, gets them excited. And then once you get like with perch, in my experience, anyway, once you get, when you got a solo perch hanging out, they're pretty like, eh, I don't know. And mm-hmm. plus the water's like three degrees, their metabolism's low and stuff. But you can get the school fired up or get them drawn in towards you. And, and, you know, we got a lot of prairie lakes, Buffalo being one of them, where we know there's not a lot of structure out there. If you find a rock, you, you're totally <laughs> in heaven, right? You got yeah. something yeah. for them to relate to, right? So you got to bring them to you. And that's what these artificial baits will do. Like another one is, is one of our favorite one is the real bait clacker, uh, which is, uh, it comes pre-packaged. Uh, you can, but you can buy them separately from their website, but, but they come pre-packaged with the, uh, Fergie spoon, which is one of our all time classics. That's how we unlock the giant walleye piece from for Jeff and I is ripping okay. these spoons, but this clacker, what it is, is it's a wire that's above. That's got two glass beads and, and a metal clacker and it goes clack 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 and with the underwater camera we even had one underwater camera that captured sound and almost sounded like uh, a crayfish or something clicking i don't know if mm-hmm. crayfish can do that but it was a real distinct click and a clack sound and yeah. man that just drew perch in actually one time we were fishing with gourd we totally slammed crappies using this clacker rig with a dropper so right. It's kind of like the perfect search lure, but it made noise and it created some flash because there, there's enough metal there to give you a little bit of flash, but it's more about that clack, 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 clack. And perch are so, they're such a curious fish. You know, they will come in and investigate. And then once they come in and they start eating, the next thing you know, and you've experienced this probably in Buffalo too, there'll be a big pike will come in and try it yeah. Muddle stuff up. Or <laughs> all of a sudden the perch are gone and you're like, what's happening? And then this giant head just slides yeah. through the frame, right? So 
Yeah, it tries to yeah. hit your camera. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. If you're if you're ripping those if you're ripping those rattle baits and stuff, it's it, it's only a matter of time before the pike are showing up. But I mean, if you're prepared for it, like lots of people have a tip up out around them and stuff. Like, yeah, the pike fishing is incredible there too because they probably because they have so many perch that they could take out. And and when you mentioned the fishing in the four feet with the little jig, like you go, I go down to the dock at the cabin anytime, and I there's gonna be perch on all whatever we have 60 feet of dock there's gonna or not perch necessarily but there's perch hanging around the lifts but otherwise it's it's minnows and and even some bigger shiners that are there constantly like there's so many of those little bait fish in that lake it's it's crazy so it all makes sense that the perch like to smash that stuff too absolutely but in the winter time logan the the walleye disappear in that lake well, unless you're me and you know where to find them, I don't. I don't know about everyone else, but no, I do. I do actually quite well. <clears throat> I've kind of in the last couple of years have figured it out. It's it's a grind because I'm walking out there, and it's um, most of my spots are on the opposite side of where I'm I'm parking the truck. But um, in this in the early ice, there I can do quite well for walleye. But even when talking to Chris Summers, like he said the same thing. Like it's they don't know for sure for sure. But what his theory was is they're going up and they're leaving the lake, and I wouldn't have to not disagree with that because with the number of people that fish out there in the winter and the number of walleye that are caught out there in the summer compared to the winter is nuts like the difference between the two but i've i've kind of got an early ice program down for catching them but um once i get into the middle of winter there it kind of changes so you're not you're not is it is it uh, uh heavily reliant upon the dawn and the dust period i suspect uh, well, yeah, it, it is, but also, um, I'll just say I'm a, in a lot different spots as far as, um, how, f- if I'm going to be in the middle of the lake or right up to shore, maybe I won't necessarily stay on here, but there's a big difference in where I am compared to where everyone else is in, in that sense. Not just my spot, like I'm not all by myself for miles, but there might be someone who's two, 300 yards away from me, but they're just in a different direction as far as shoreline and stuff goes. So um that's what i noticed the big thing is is because there is i found like as far like you said if you find a rock in buffalo you're lucky right and so i found some drops that maybe go from four feet to to nine feet and that's pretty big in that lake right so and with it only being at its deepest like 15 feet maybe um that's quite a bit of change so i'll, I'll hang out around stuff like that but it is a big thing like i'm usually out there right around sun up and uh and then into the evening too more it kind of gets more into a, a pikey area midday if that gives anyone some some hints as to where i maybe am but um no it's it's it is weird like i i figured it out a bit in the, in the early ice but um yeah once that winter comes like we really it really sets in it's just that lake is is weird because you can go to last mountain and obviously i, I noticed the mountain in the winter is huge with the bite windows um like midday lots of the time it can be quite slow for myself i found at least but um I don't know what it is with Buffalo. The the walleye just seem to, to disappear. Like not even seeing them on cameras that often. So I don't know what it is. Well, you know, and there's every lake is different and unique in its own way. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, the other thing too, is that I think, you know, and I'll tell people this, that, uh, you know, you go out in February and we know what the ice is generally about as safe as it's going to be by then. So yep, you can yep. kind of go wherever you need to go. Uh, and, and I will, by the way, I'll never tell people say, so when's the ice safe? Uh, I'm like, got to check it yourself. It, yeah. it should be good, but it's never guaranteed. Don't need right? a liability issue. Uh, 
well, you, you, you just can't, you know, and I'm like, you got to go check it for yourself. You just have to. Uh, but I think when we're getting into that February period, especially once we've had some of those minus 30, minus 35 snaps, uh, you know, the lakes are is getting about as cold as it can. I mean, I've, I've gotten zero to one degree as a temperature reading, you know, in some of yeah. the, like a five foot spot. And you can see those fish are just like, man, I can't wait till spring. It almost read their yeah. mind. You know, it's like, I am so slow here. I, thank God I'm cold blooded because my body is literally one degree right now. Mm-hmm. So my metabolism, you know, is, is low. And, and the other thing that they, you know, and they're small, their brain is this big, that they have to weigh is if I'm going to hit that, is am I going to get a net benefit energy gain from that versus what? It's going to, how much energy am I going to expend to eat that? You know what I mean? And, and I think yeah, yeah. when the, when it's warmer and the fish are hungry and that, that's a big difference for walleyes in the summer there it's eating season. They're growing the water in Buffalo is 18 to 20 degrees. So they're eating They're meta- They have to eat because yeah. their metabolism's going so fast. They're burning those calories so quick, you know, but at that one, two degrees, I think everything gets their maintenance feeding. Especially, I think those bigger walleyes, they got, they got those, they still have to eat because they got to mm-hmm. still, you know, build those eggs, nourish those eggs and stuff like that. But I think that's why it's really important, particularly for walleyes, that those, those low light periods are really critical, you know, where they mm-hmm. have that distinct advantage. Cause we've seen the underwater camera, we've seen them come in, you know, when the light's good, you know, when you can get a really good underwater shot, they don't want to bite yeah. in that midwinter, but they're there, they're present. They're checking out your lure. They're swimming around it. They're looking at it. They're looking at your camera. They're looking at the lure. Then they go away. They come back, do it again. And then as soon as dust sets in and your underwater camera is not getting the shot you really want, then they bite, you know, just, just cause that, I think they've, they've finally got that very strong advantage over their prey that they can see the prey better than the prey can see them. And that's when they hit. That's why I think. Particularly in the winter, those dawn and dusk cycles are so critical. Yeah, and like you said, every lake's different. I've done quite a few, uh, like from say prime time in the in the afternoon till midnight at Buffalo, and it's. I mean, it all depends where I am. There's some depths and stuff I haven't tried yet with that, but um, as far as like where we are during the day when the perch bite or where the pike are coming around too. Um, the night bite there is just dead. Like there's been quite a few people have tried it or have talked to people that have tried it and they same thing. I think I've caught like one perch over, I don't know how many different stints, but like I said, I haven't tried some other areas that would maybe make more sense just with knowing a little bit about fish movements. But then you go to a place like Deef, uh, last mountain too, I've been hit and miss with night bites, but Deef, especially like that place just seems to light up at night. So, uh, it all depends on the lake, like you said, but yeah, as far as Buffalo, I found like even I thought maybe maybe the walleye are waiting until it's a bit darker or that's when I was also trying to find burbot. Maybe the burbot are just hanging out doing nothing until dark and the burbot I did catch was mid-afternoon so I scratched that theory. But <laughs> Well whenever and this is when we were younger uh, when we'd go out and uh, well let's try night fishing let's see what happens. We'd catch walleyes for about an hour hour and a half like th- these are some of our prime walleye spots we'd catch them about an hour and a half after dark and then uh, it's nothing, 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 nothing. And and what would either happen is we would, okay, we're done. It's over. Mm -hmm. Go try one more hole. And somebody would either catch an eight or nine pound walleye. And then it was done. 
or they'd catch a bourbon and then it was done. It, it was yeah. kind of like when you caught the bourbon, it's over. It's like they, they've moved in and the walleyes are done. It, either that or we needed to stay for another hour and a half and wait for yeah. another bite. But, but yeah, it's, it's something I haven't done a lot of, um, you know, but, uh, but I think, you know, the other thing in the wintertime, our lakes are as clear as they're going to be. Yeah. Know, particularly Diefenbaker. I think the clearer the lake, the greater that uh, dark period, the walleye's lake. Like, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's that's very true. And I, I think also when our lakes are that clear, like obviously if anyone's been to Buffalo, not the clearest lake in the summer. Spring, it's crazy. Like for what we're used to in the summer, the spring is is really nice for clarity. But yeah, when you when you finally get into that, that winter ice, I think that's a big thing for people at at Buffalo too, like you said, with the cameras, like every 1980s camper out there has a camera in it too. Right. And, and, um, I think that's a big thing too. Like you said, way back at the start of the, of the podcast is just having, like, if you watch, like if you didn't have a camera out at Buffalo, like especially these last couple of years, um, seems to have been a little bit slower that the numbers are ridiculous of, of three inch, four inch perch down there. Like you'll have, you'll have 30 on the camera and you haven't felt a bite for an hour. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the biggest things is kind of the, the camera can teach you so much, but that clarity is, is huge, especially when you don't have that in the summer in lots of our lakes. Yeah, de- definitely. And, and, and that ability on the ice to just stay locked in one spot where the camera isn't moving, the longer you can keep that image or sorry, the camera still, I think goes a long way to the fish learning to accept that in their environment. You know, I think mm-hmm. if you're moving it around, like just the mere fact that you've introduced it, you've changed the environment, you know, yeah. and sometimes, you know, and, and I, I need to do this more, but whenever I've done underwater camera for trout, uh, like on a, some stock trout lakes, you know, sort of a little bit north of where we are here, uh, it's tricky because I will actually do the down view and try to say, stay on top of them as opposed to do the side view where I can see my lure because they're just so spooky. They, yeah. they are really not happy with that camera down there. The, the, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and part of it is the clear water. Part of it is, you know, their nature. Like I even know some, I got some friends in BC who, you know, fish for, you know, like rainbows that are naturally in these lakes and stuff. And he says, we'll set up like a, like a jaw jacker or, or you know, a, a ice rigger or something. And we'll make sure that we're not ever stomping over head. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're nowhere near our feet or way away, <clears throat> you know, from where they are because they'll, yeah. they're so spooky. If they sense we're up there, they won't, they won't even come around. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and actually that, that's another thing when, uh, when you've got a camera that can record audio, you wouldn't believe how loud your steps are above them. And another tip that people might want to consider is lay a mat down or an old rug on the ice because you wouldn't believe how much that quiets downs your crunch, 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 or your boots. Mm-hmm. Like even when you're sitting there and moving around, it, it is loud. Like you wouldn't believe it. And of course, you know, if any, if you've ever dove down in the summertime, right. And you're, you're going for a swim, you can hear outboards and like, it's crazy. The stuff you can hear under the water, you know? And, and I think, particularly if you're fishing shallow water like that Mm -hmm. um i think it makes a difference especially if they're cagey if they're hungry they don't i don't think they care but 
if they're no. a bit off the bite or if their metabolism's low, like I talk about that February period where the water's super cold, the oxygen levels are lower in the lake, not necessarily zero because, you know, they're still active. But yeah. I think all those things are a factor in making those fish just a little bit more lethargic, a little bit more harder to catch, which is why yeah. when it warms up in the spring and we start getting those patterns again, as long as the ice remains safe, it, it's dynamite because there's new oxygen coming into the lake. The water's getting warmer. The, the sun rays are getting longer. The sun's higher. And those fish know, okay, we got one more heavy buffet to pack in here before we spawn. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. We've had you for about an hour and 20 minutes now, Jace. So um, let's end it off with a couple uh, just kind of interesting questions here. Just for starters, Logan mentioned, you know, earlier that uh, his favorite species is burbot. Um, what is your favorite species to chase? That is such a tough question because I <laughs> really love them all. Like, yeah. I, uh, you know, it. I guess it almost kind of depends on the season. First thing in the spring. I fish for carp because uh, they're fun, they're easy, and, and they're willing. Pike, too. Those big pike are really available. Um, and uh, I know I'm not giving you the answer you asked, but I, I, I really I really struggle with it because I, I have just as much fun catching a carp, catching a sucker, as I do catching a walleye. Even though, you know, I, don't get me wrong, I love my walleyes, and I love the, the challenge and the opportunity to catch them. And we're so lucky to have amazing walleye pike and perch fishing in this province but anything that decides they want to come out and play and i get a chance to hold them for a picture or whatever the case might be i i love them all yeah i like that answer that's me exactly i figured, I figured that might be the answer yeah. but yeah you a never fish know. is a fish yeah <laughs> like i'd love to be able to figure out how to catch burbot in the summertime man we need to go on a river <laughs> that's, that's, that's what i it. hear that's yeah. what i hear current or, and burbot yeah. are a thing or, uh, uh, what are you going to say? No, I was just going to say, if you haven't yet, go uh, go listen to our episodes with uh, Dr. Chris Summers. We had some pretty interesting burbot talk with him. Cool. Yeah, because he likes burbot too. But I was going to say, if you want to catch them in the summer, uh, you can go jig for lake trout at Clearwater in Manitoba around sunset. And you'll think you're getting a little lake trout and it decides to be a burbot. So there's, there's one way you can do it. But uh, other than that, I haven't figured out the trick. But they don't seem to to move that much in the in the summer so um that could be the issue too but the rivers seem to be you see them a lot lots of people around saskatoon seem to be catching them in the rivers so there's one spot yeah i guess uh another one for a, a little uh, fun one is with this recent dump of snow that we've gotten here in the province and i guess alberta got it too i'm sure it's making its way to manitoba um what, what are you doing for preparation for ice fishing well, you know, this is always a, a bittersweet time of the year. And what I mean by bittersweet is we know we're not getting back in the boat for months. So you, you got the, the main labor of putting that away and, you know, okay, now that that's done, now we can get excited about ice fishing. So it's just the basic stuff of, um, I was out with a, a couple of friends of mine and, and he might be mad at me for saying this, but we went to Lake of the Prairies for a fishing trip in September and he had this giant fish on and he had his drag a little too tight and the line just exploded. And, and mm -hmm. I said, when's the last time you changed your line? I have no idea. Well, <laughs> know when you've changed your line. So if you're using the, rod, the same reels on your ice rods, just change it. 
Like, don't even. Do you want to break the biggest fish you've ever caught off? Like, that mm-hmm. that's a big one. Just change your line, start fresh when the ice comes on. You know, and the next thing is start your auger long before you go to the lake. Make sure it runs. Make sure it runs well. Because if it's not going to start in October when it's minus one, it sure as heck isn't going to start bouncing yeah. around the back of your truck at minus 25. Right? <laughs> yeah. It, you know, especially if you've got one, like a motorized one. So, make Get your blade sharp and carry an extra set just in case you decide to go mowing in the sand and you go too shallow. Now you're you decide to go to deep. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Because it was 30 feet here last year and now it's one and a half, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so there's, there's that. And, uh, and, you know, just making sure everything's looking good with your lures and like, you know, did, did, are all my hooks sharp? Did I get some humidity in there and my hooks are trashed? Um, get all your stuff looking good. And, and it, you know, those, those are kind of the keys. And then making sure you've got all those safety items. You know, you got your spud bar. You've got either your life jacket, life jacket or your flotation suit. Things you want to think about if you're going to be one of those first guys out. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, uh, and, and make sure that shelter is open and things aren't rusted shut and that you didn't forget your bait in there and it's <laughs> turned into something really awful over the yeah. summer. You know, like those are all things I do, you know, uh, particularly if I get a really nice day still, I can lay it out in the, in, in the, gra- either in the backyard or in the garage. So those are all the things I like to do. I like to be really prepared because we know fishing can be really good at first ice and you don't want to hurt yourself by forgetting to change your line by forgetting to inspect all your guides on your rods you know Mm -hmm. all that little all those little details are critical to making sure that you're going to have a successful outing out there on the ice yeah and know to do it now while you're waiting for the ice to start to freeze because once you go out for your first time, you're not going to do that all after, right? Like everyone no. thinks, oh, I'll just I'll just take whatever I got this time and then I'll organize everything after. It's like, no, because then you just go and go and go. And every chance you get, you're going out there. You're not going to be organizing. So, Exactly. Use this time when the shoulder time, right? The shoulder season where we're not going out. We're, we're, we're fortunate enough that we can hook up tonight, gentlemen, and we can talk about fishing. Well, the next best thing is get your ice gear ready because you got the time now. Get, get it mm-hmm. all ready to go so that you know when it's safe and we get those first minus 20 nights and it builds into a solid enough skin that we can walk out that, that we're all good to go with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess, I guess it, for probably, unless Brandon had another one after this, for probably the last one, uh, going into early ice, what, obviously not specific spots, but what are you, what are you focusing on early ice as far as like depth or structure, stuff like that? Well, again, it, it does depend, I guess what you're going for, but, uh, you know, I think you want to focus if, if you've got some good points where you get a decent drop to a flat. And I really like that 20 foot stuff because they really seem to like to gather and feed on a flat. It's like a dinner plate and there's food there. Mm -hmm. Um, I like points really, really do. Or, or even inside turns on those points. First thing in the winter, if you can find them, 
Um, the nice thing about early ice is you can turn the lake into Swiss cheese without destroying your spine because the water is, yeah. or, or the, the ice isn't too thick yet, which is nice. Um, you know, but you're also burning some serious calories cause you're walking everywhere. So, um, you know, that you, you want to be, I guess, strategic with, you know, cutting from that 10 to maybe 25 ish feet. And then maybe f- once you cut from shallow to deep, find out what depth they're running is kind of what I tend to find over the course of the day. Like you seem to be able to catch more in maybe 16, 17 or 20 to 22. And then you start going this way, work on the drops, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those are kind of the things uh, like I, I like, like to focus on while I perch that type of thing. And if you're close enough, realizing you need to stay within 25, uh, yards or 25 meters or less of your tip up you know it's not a bad idea to set a a tip up you know up on top of the point where that's maybe eight or ten feet just before it hits the drop to see if there's any big gators cruising up there yeah because you are you you may as well take advantage of those two lines or if you don't do that and you're in a tent let's say it's a little windy breezy have a dead stick and actively jig with the other because you know what at one time or another one's going to work better than the other. Yeah. 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 Precisely. I think, I think that's a huge tip is uh, not enough people utilize the two lines in the winter time. So I think that's uh, that's a big one for any of you guys listening that are getting excited for, uh, for hard water season. So that's, uh, you know, we're, we're a few weeks out, but it's, it's time to get things ready and, and really buckle down and, and be prepared. So uh, Jason, we, we really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. This has been a, an absolute treat, um, an hour and a half of, of fish and talk. So uh, we appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'm Where sure we'll, we'll have you on you? again. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have you on again for a, probably a, you know, a, a full go at, a, at an ice fishing episode too. So, Oh, for sure. And, you know, like as I tell people, we got a long winter ahead, you know, and, and we, uh, we know we still love our fishing and thank goodness we still get to go out and we've got great ice fishing. So I, it's, it's a topic that I love to talk about. And, and as I say, if I'm not out fishing, if I get a chance to talk about fishing, that's, that's a very close second. So I appreciate yeah. the, the time tonight, guys. Yeah, for sure. And I guess rate right to end this off work and this is your, your chance to plug everything. Cause you got a lot going on. Where can people find you? Sure. Well, we, uh, also have uh, are doing a relaunch of our website to, to make it more modern more user friendly just more appealing at getfishing.ca is the best way to get us online and of course we've got links to our youtube channel from there uh, we're also on uh, facebook uh, at getfishing.ca uh, do a little bit of insta stuff as well um, so through social media, you can get us as well. The best place to go though, is, is getfishing.ca. We even got our web or, or, or sorry, our email address there as well. Uh, and, and we welcome anybody at any time if they want to email us with very specific questions or, or whatever the case might be, uh, we're more than happy to answer those. And we just love interacting with the angling public. And we hope everybody out there, including you, Logan and Brandon have a wonderful fun and safe ice season out there too yeah for sure if you want uh, jason's exact gps coordinates to his spots i'm sure he'll answer that in the emails on the website but uh yeah no thanks uh thank you very much for coming on i know this is one people have wanted for a while so people will be pretty pumped up that uh we finally connected and, and got a nice hour and a half here yeah for sure and you know that that's the one part about getting people out fishing is they when they get out they're able to find their own spots as well and learn how to <laughs> yeah. gps those too because that's important is that I, I don't know about you guys but i gotta tell you if, when you find your own 
you've done the work and you find your own stuff, it, it there's a whole new level of satisfaction there. You know, when yeah. you find oh. discover that thing on your own. I don't know if it goes back to our primal sense of discovery or what it is, but it's just so <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you and uh, have a great rest of your night. You guys too. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I know that's both of ours, probably one of our favorite uh, interviews we've got to do. Another local guy, tons of information. And like Brandon said at the very start, there's some, someone he's been watching for a long time. Um, I've seen the clips on and off uh, throughout my years growing up as well. So it's pretty pretty cool again to sit down and, and talk with Jason and kind of get just that much more information. So I think, uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what you have to say, Brandon, but I, there was so much information there. I think people are really going to like it. Yeah, and I mean... He's, he's such a knowledgeable angler and he cares so much about the resources and, and the, the conservation aspect of the sport as well. So um, it was just fantastic sitting down with him and I'm, I'm sure we'll have him on again for another episode. If not um, just him, we'll have him and Jeff on and you know have our first episode with four of us, uh, maybe talking ice fishing or something. So um, yeah. that was fantastic. We hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed that. We have to give a huge shout out to our uh, presenting sponsor, 13 Fishing. Uh, head down to the show notes below for a discount code, or you can head to our website, weekendwarriorsco.com, and you can shop a bunch of their products there as well as Rapella um, right on our website, and then it'll take you directly to their website and uh, where you can use our code. So um, yep. like we mentioned earlier, if you haven't, head to our website, check out all the merch. Um, any purchases are uh, going to a great cause, and uh any support is appreciated. So we thank you guys again um, for sitting down, listening to us and Jason talk fishing, and uh, we will see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to the weekend warriors fishing podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your favorite listening platform so we can reach more anglers just like you find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for media updates and behind the scenes content.